Welcome back to Make Me Sick. Uh, so, been away for a little bit. Uh, kind of been doing double duty here. Uh, I'm on the Kirk Minahan Show Network uh, on YouTube. Been doing a couple of podcasts there, so I haven't posted anything uh, as far as on my podcast or on Twitter, Spotify, all that stuff. But today we are actually going to be doing an episode. Uh, it's not a pathogen or a virus, bacteria, fungus, anything like that. Not any kind of illness. This is something that has affected anybody who's probably had a few too many drinks, or maybe even only one or two drinks. We're going to talk today about hangovers. Uh, we're going to talk about what causes them, uh, if there's anything that we can do to prevent them, any possible cures. So uh, before I get started, uh, in the future we're going to be doing a few other episodes uh, where we kind of focus on other things that get you sick instead of microorganisms. So we'll be doing that going forward. But uh, Let's get to today's show and talk a little bit about the hangover. So before we start, once again, uh, this is not medical advice. Uh, if you have any questions, concerns, if you're thinking about taking up anything to prevent hangovers or any kind of new medication or supplement, always check with your healthcare provider beforehand. So let's begin with a little bit about alcohol. Uh, ethanol alcohol uh, in particular, that's the type of alcohol that's found in alcohol beverages that are sold and consumed. Uh, I'm not going to delve too deeply into substance abuse. Uh, that could be an entire episode on itself. Uh, in the future, maybe I will do that. Uh, episode just on the dangers of alcohol. Uh, probably a more dangerous drug than marijuana. Uh, some people even think it's more dangerous than cocaine and even heroin. Just based on how easily it can actually, how easily addictive it is. And then with withdrawal, how it can actually kill you. And some of those other drugs, withdrawals, you will not die. You can't really withdraw from marijuana uh, or cocaine. And then with opioid withdrawal, uh, it can be nasty, uh, but probably won't kill you. But uh, with alcohol, it can certainly kill you, uh, especially if not treated uh, and treated effectively. So we're all adults. We all make decisions. So if you want to party it up, go party up, drink. I'm not trying to advocate uh, for prohibition or anything like that. But, uh, you know, the alcohol does have a dark side to it. But... Uh, to kind of give you just a little background, I'll do some statistics to start with just about booze, and then we'll kind of move on to the hangover and all that fun stuff. So according to the National Institutes on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, 174.3 million people uh, ages 12 and older, that accounts to about 62.3%, uh, reported that they have actually had a drink in the past year. These numbers are from 2021. Uh, with regard to hospital visits, uh, alcohol contributes to approximately 18.5% of emergency department visits and 22.1% of overdose deaths related to prescription opioids. So these are people who will be taking opioids as well as drinking and then overdose accidentally. Uh, it's also estimated that more than 140,000 people, uh, this is 97,000 men and 43,000 women, die from alcohol-related causes annually. And that would actually make alcohol the fourth leading preventable cause of death in the United States. Uh, that's behind tobacco, uh, behind poor diet and physical inactivity, and then behind illegal drugs. So alcohol does kill a lot of people uh, each year. So as much fun as getting kind of fucked up can be, uh, it can also have uh, very bad side effects uh, and also lead to a significant number of deaths. Also from 2021, uh, alcohol-impaired driving fatalities accounted for 13,384 deaths, which was about 31% uh, of all driving fatalities. So about a third of driving fatalities accounted from, uh, there were drunk drivers or alcohol was involved somehow. 
According to the most recent estimate from the CDC and prevention, 21% uh, of suicides have a blood alcohol excuse me, concentration of 0 0.1, 0.1 uh, or more. So here in the U.S., 0 0.08, that's the legal limit. So 21% uh, of suicides uh, at least have 0.1% uh, or more alcohol. So it contributes in suicides as well. And among people who die by suicide, uh, alcoholism, uh, or we call it uh, alcohol use disorder, is the, you know, that's the medical terminology, I guess a more PC term for alcoholism, uh, is the second most common mental disorder and uh, involved in about one in four deaths by suicide. So 25% of suicides uh, have some, some component of alcoholism or alcohol use disorder involved as well. Beyond that, uh, alcohol-attributed deaths due to chronic conditions also contribute uh, to lengthy hospital stays and deaths. Um, these include anything just from liver diseases, so you'll get alcohol-associated liver diseases like cirrhosis. Uh, can also attribute uh, cardiovascular diseases, alcohol attributes to, or contributes to. And it also contributes to certain cancers. So alcohol can contribute to cancers of the upper, upper respiratory system as well as digestive tracts. Uh, can also contribute to liver, colon, and breast cancer as well. So, but we're not here to talk about those today. Uh, like I said, I could do an entire episode on alcohol and exactly how it makes you sick. Uh, withdrawal, especially. Um, getting the delirium tremens, detoxing, all that fun stuff. Uh, but I'm not going to. We're going to do hangovers. So... Hangovers, obviously, uh, completely recoverable. They suck, uh, and are unfortunately just a you know a part of drinking. So there's, if you drink enough alcohol, there's not really any way to avoid it. But uh, I'm going to talk a, about a couple of ways that maybe you can help uh, soften the blow of the hangover, or at least try to prevent uh, your hangover from being as terrible as it could be. So what defines a hangover? So this is uh, quoting the National Institutes of Health. Uh, hangover is the combination of negative mental and physical symptoms which can be experienced after a single episode of alcohol consumption starting when the blood alcohol concentration approaches zero. So typically your hangover won't begin until you have uh, almost zero blood left or blood left alcohol left in your blood system. Uh, these symptoms, uh, they don't only affect the person experiencing the hangover, but they can actually contribute to their daily lives as well. So uh, a few statistics here are just about hangovers. Um, really concentrating kind of on ab absenteeism and then uh, presenteeism. Uh, so this again from the NIH. Uh, in the United States, the annual economic costs related to hangovers... It's been estimated about $173 billion annually from people being hungover and not showing up for work. Uh, a recent UK study also gave a number of about four billion pounds missed each year annually from people who don't go to work due to hangovers. So, 173 billion in the US, four billion in the UK. Uh, so, you know, it does contribute to absenteeism at work, as I'm sure we've all probably called out of work at least once or twice. If you never have, then kudos to you. Excellent job. Uh, I wish I had your fortitude. So, what causes a hangover? Uh, and why do our bodies respond to it uh, the way they do? So, essentially, it's based on the amount of alcohol you take in. So, when alcohol is consumed, it's eliminated by something called an oxidative process. This happens in the liver. Uh, the metabolism of alcohol, it's a two-step process, and it's driven by the action of two enzymes specifically. 
the first one is an enzyme called alcohol dehydrogenase or ADH and this is the first step so when you consume alcohol in the liver the liver will take that that ADH and it converts ethanol into something called acetaldehyde uh, acetaldehyde it's a toxic metabolite part of the breakdown process and this is what leads to the second process of your body breaking down the alcohol uh, this is from an enzyme that's called aldehyde dehydrogenase or ALDH so aldehyde dehydrogenase breaks down that acetaldehyde which is broken down from the ethanol so this is kind of the last part of the body trying to clear that toxin in the liver your liver is a great uh, toxin removing sponge uh, a lot of processes that go through there uh, and this is the one that kind of eliminates alcohol uh, turning it first from your ethanol into your acetaldehyde and then acetaldehyde and it converts that into essentially it's something called acetate which is essentially like vinegar uh, vinegar is completely inert in the body you gotta just pee it out uh, so ethanol and acetaldehyde these are the key components that have been thought to cause hangovers uh, these are the ones that have actually had their symptoms researched and there's been research done to see if and how uh, there's any way we could actually prevent either the uptake of the ethanol or how much we take in or how to uh, better optimize the process of getting rid of the ethanol and or acetaldehyde. So specifically with hangovers, uh, it's the ethanol and the brain's exposure to it that kind of causes these symptoms. So when you get to a certain point where your liver is unable to process fast enough the amount of alcohol taken in, uh, you get free alcohol in the body, in the bloodstream. Uh, this ethanol travels through the body. Same with uh, the uh, acetaldehyde as well. Uh, and this is where it becomes problematic. Uh, the brain, which obviously controls uh, most of our bodily systems, has a neat little thing called a blood-brain barrier. So this protective barrier prevents the flow of toxic substances in the blood from flowing into the brain as well. Um, this blood-brain barrier also is what kind of supplies the brain tissues with nutrients. Uh, it filters out harmful components kind of works back and forth contributing. So there's no real blood in the brain. Uh, if anybody's actually seen the movie Hannibal, uh, in the end, when they're sitting, Ray Liotta is sitting at a dinner table and Hannibal Lecter cuts his kind of head open in half to eat part of his brain, you'll notice there's not a lot of blood. And that's actually pretty anatomically correct. Uh, there's no blood in the actual brain itself. That's why people have what we call brain bleeds. It becomes a huge issue. Um, and this is why the blood-brain barrier is called what it's called. Blood cannot pass into the brain. Anyway, the ethanol in your body can actually pass through this blood-brain barrier. Uh, and this becomes an issue. Once ethanol collects in the brain, this is when your body starts to have the reactions that start to cause some of the symptoms of the hangovers. Uh, there have been studies that have shown that uh, your blood alcohol content, what we call peripheral blood ethanol concentrations, they correlate significantly with brain alcohol concentrations. So the more free alcohol you have in your blood, the more you're going to have in your brain. So the more you drink, obviously, the more your brain's going to be affected. Now this also leads to all the other stuff with getting drunk, the poor coordination, slurring of speech, uh, memory issues, all that stuff uh, completely related with the ethanol collection in the brain. Hangovers, it's more kind of when uh, that next day when you're still kind of processing all this stuff the ethanol in the brain is what suspectedly causes all of these other symptoms or at least not all of them but some of them i'll get to that in just a minute so that's ethanol so the blood brain barrier doesn't allow for acetaldehyde this is that other toxic component that they've kind of thought that causes hangovers 
Uh, it was thought for a long time that acetaldehyde was actually the main component because it is a toxic metabolite, and that's kind of what caused a lot of these symptoms. But studies have shown that acetaldehyde uh, probably doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier, and we're mainly looking at ethanol now as the kind of cause uh, of hangovers. Unfortunately, there have only been a few studies that have really reported a lot of these correlations. <clears throat> and a lot of these studies, they weren't large sample sizes, so it's hard to say how accurate they are. But for the information we have right now, this seems like kind of the uh, best, uh, best guess anyway, is that it's ethanol, not acetaldehyde, uh, when looking at either of these two uh, toxins. So why is all this important, you might be asking, right? So if we're trying to figure out how to prevent hangovers, how to cure a hangover, we'd look at the, the possibility of trying to reduce either the ethanol, excuse me, or the acetaldehyde. Now I did say that acetaldehyde can't cross the blood-brain barrier, blood barrier, but the ethanol in the brain can be converted to acetaldehyde if the body starts to break it down. So you can have contributions of acetaldehyde to your hangover because it's converted out when it's already in the brain. So now that we have a little bit of the science behind why it happens and why it's kind of important to think about what causes the hangover, let's take a quick look just at kind of how the hangover symptoms evolve, how they happen, and uh, how the ethanol acetaldehyde <clears throat> or the brain itself contributes to this. So when alcohol enters the brain, it ends up interfering with the release of certain hormones. Uh, and this contributes to, you know, a few of the symptoms of the hangover, which contribute to other symptoms of the hangover. Uh, have you ever wondered why you pee so much when you drink? Uh, so vasopressin, or antidiuretic hormone, this is a hormone that tells the kidneys to reabsorb water when the brain senses that the body's dry. Uh, ethanol actually inhibits the release of this hormone. And this leads to excessive urination and the subsequent fluid loss and then dehydration. This actually leads to a lot of the symptoms of a hangover. This will give you that dry mouth, headache, lethargy, uh, being really thirsty the next day. Other hangover symptoms that ethanol has an effect on uh, other organ systems as well besides the brain. So uh, systemically, uh, you can get inflammation from alcohol. Uh, this can lead to you know, painful joints, aching the next day, painful muscles. Dehydration also leads to this as well. Uh, alcohol directly irritates the lining of the stomach. So this increases acid release, and this is what really leads to a lot of that kind of stomach discomfort. Get that sour stomach, uh, nausea, vomiting. Excess alcohol intake will lead to vomiting as well, just from the body trying to purge the toxins. So not good uh, as far as GI-wise. And then with your liver, so when your liver's processing alcohol, it actually stops releasing glucose. Uh, this can lead to actually a drop in blood sugar. So and this is one of the main causes why when you drink, you start to get really hungry. Uh, your body's sensing that it needs sugar, it needs glucose and makes you eat. Same thing with the next day when you wake up and you're ravenously hungry after drinking. This is another one of the reasons why. But when you have low blood sugar, it can lead to fatigue, it can lead to weakness. Uh, if you're a diabetic, this can actually be really dangerous. So, uh, you know, they urge diabetics really not to drink a lot. Not only is there usually a lot of sugar in alcohol, especially in beer, uh, but it can also kind of have an issue with regulating your glucose levels. So as far as uh, a few other things, something I will mention as well with, uh, I guess, with alcohol uh, leading to hangovers, uh, there's something called congeners. And congeners, I think I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, somebody go ahead and correct me. But these are some of the substances that are produced during the fermentation and the aging process of alcohol. 
So if you've ever noticed it when you drink darker liquors, um, that's why you probably have a worse hangover. It's because these actually can contribute to the severity of a hangover as well. Um, beverages that have higher concentrations of these, uh, so your whiskeys, your bourbons, rums, dark rums anyway, um, can also contribute to uh, some of these symptoms from the hangover as well. So with all these rotten symptoms like, has anyone found a way to prevent it uh, or even cure them? And if so, how? So there have been hypotheses that suggest that by accelerating the way alcohol metabolism happens in the body, this will actually reduce the hangover severity due to the reduction of the ethanol and its toxic byproduct, that acetaldehyde, uh, just into acetic acid. And then you just pee that out, right? Uh, so to do this, they've done research. Um, there hasn't been a lot. I couldn't find a lot that's actually been done, but there have been studies done on a few different products uh, as well as a few herbs. So I thought we'd take a look at those as well. Because, uh, I mean, come on now. I, I think everyone's had a hangover. I'm sure you're really interested in what causes the hangover, but you probably want to find out is there some way to actually treat the hangover, cure the hangover, or prevent it. So uh, I'm going to get into that right now. We'll go over a few kind of, uh, I think I have four of them, four or five different ways. Uh, like I said, not a ton of studies on these, and the ones that they do have aren't... Uh, super statistically significant, but uh, I'll kind of break it down right now. When trying to actually figure out how to reduce the severity of hangover, I think the main thing that most of these remedies look for is a way to actually increase the ADH and the ALDH, which are those two enzymes that break down the ethanol and acetaldehyde. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is one called N-acetylcysteine. This is actually it's something you can buy over the counter as a supplement. Um, this actually stimulates the creation of an enzyme called glutathione in the liver. This enzyme, excuse me, this enzyme is the one that actually catalyzes acetaldehyde into acetic acid. Uh, and by stimulating more of this in the liver, the thought is that you can just kind of destroy more of that acetaldehyde, uh, turning it into acetic acid, creating lower concentrations of acetaldehyde. Uh, you know, this could also enhance metabolization and reduce symptoms of a hangover. Um, I will mention right now that IV N-acetylcysteine is actually used when treating Tylenol overdoses. So anybody ODs on Tylenol uh, and they go to the hospital, um, they'll get the IV N-acetylcysteine and it's actually quite effective. Still kind of the, one of the gold standards of treating uh, Tylenol overdoses. It's very liver protective. Uh, I will say though, IV though has a much higher potency than taking it orally. And the uh, hangover kind of pre-tox cures that I've read about are all oral. Uh, and I'll kind of talk about in a little bit just something called bioavailability and how bioavailability is, it's essentially uh, how much of any kind of drug or compound or supplement is available to the body after ingesting it. Uh, IV-wise, you have a lot more bioavailability. Uh, when taking something orally, uh, you don't. There's something called the first pass effect. When you take a medication orally, uh, that first pass effect, it's almost delayed. Uh, anybody who, uh, let's take weed for example, you smoke weed, right? You inhale that, goes into your lungs, immediately absorbed into the lungs and into the bloodstream and you're high pretty quick. If you eat pot, it takes a little while. You gotta digest it, it's gotta absorb into the small intestine, uh, into the stomach, the large intestine, the small intestine, uh, and then you start to get high, like maybe an hour, hour and a half later, you really feel it. Uh, same thing with most medications, that first pass effect. So bioavailability for medications, much better when taking IV um, or inhaled. 
uh, it can enter in the bloodstream, even sublingually. If you've taken something underneath your tongue before, it actually goes into those membranes really quick and those capillaries a lot faster than if you were to take it orally. So anyway, back to N-acetylcysteine. So with N-acetylcysteine, uh, low doses like 600 to 1800 milligrams, it is shown to have a relatively safe side effect profile and it's usually pretty well tolerated by most people. Uh, as I said before, N-acetylcysteine, it increases the amount of cysteine and glutathione in the bottle, bottle yeah, in the body. And this helps to eliminate or uh, break down the acetaldehyde just to an acetic acid. Uh, this really doesn't prevent any free ethanol from entering the brain, unfortunately, which, as I said before, seems to be now what is theorized as the main cause of hangovers. Uh, but by reducing any of that free acetaldehyde in the blood, it may actually help prevent some of the uh, inflammation in the body as well as some of the other symptoms that you do see with hangovers. So pre-toxing, typically, it's, uh, I think it's 1,000 milligrams of N-acetylcysteine as well as 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C. And you do this like an hour before you drink on an empty stomach. Uh, if you take it while you drink, I actually think that is I've read it was detrimental. They had worse outcomes. Um, this is one that I've tried and I used to do when I drank uh, before I got too old and decided the hangovers weren't worth it. Uh, and it seemed to work for me. I always found that I felt better the next day when doing this. Uh, the N-acetylcysteine and Tylenol together just as a pre-tox. Uh, so... This is the only one of the, uh, I think, four that I'm going to mention that I've actually tried. Um, like I said, this one for me seemed to work pretty good. N-acetylcysteine, which you can find on Amazon or just at a, you know, any kind of uh, health food, GNC, wherever. You might probably find it at you know, Walmart or anywhere they sell uh, any kind of supplements. Uh, N-acetylcysteine, people who do have like liver disease, I actually think that their doctors recommend they take this as well. As I said, it's liver protective. Um, but with bioavailability, if you take this for a prolonged period of time, I'm pretty sure you can build up um, increased levels of glutathione production to the point where it's actually really helpful. Uh, otherwise, uh, because of bioavailability, uh, it's not really going to help a ton uh, with hangover. So if you take it once, uh, like I said, I don't know if it's placebo effect. When I took it, I thought it worked pretty good. But uh, Anyway, that's that's N-acetylcysteine. So that's one possible like, pre-tox and prevention of hangovers. The second one I'm going to talk about is actually uh, it's being trialed right now, and this is the only uh, only I wouldn't call it a cure, only kind of hangover prevention or hangover helper that I found um, that could possibly be approved by the FDA. So uh, there is a company, and they are called Senjam Pharmaceuticals. And this is a compound that they're creating that they call SJP001. I'm pretty darn sure that uh, if they end up being able to get FDA approval, they'll call it something else. But uh, in trials, this is what they're calling it. Uh, the SJP001, it's actually two different drugs they've combined. It's uh, 220 milligrams of naproxen, so Aleve, which is just an NSAID. And then 60 milligrams of fexofenadine, which is Allegra, which is an antihistamine. So they've combined those two together. Uh, what they've hypothesized, I guess, I was reading, so the immune system uh, likely plays a role just in hangovers and how terrible you feel afterwards. Uh, so with alcohol, um, anytime you ingest alcohol, the body does have an immune response to it. Um, they found changes in blood cytokine levels. Cytokines, they're, uh, they're like a type of white blood cell that really react to inflammation. And they've also found uh, prostaglandins increase as well and that's something that uh, 
it's a histamine. So I think they're theorizing that if we can just kind of treat the increase in the histamines and the increase in the inflammation by giving you an anti-inflammatory and an antihistamine, then this is going to help relieve uh, your hangover. Uh, in some of the trial data that I was reading so far, uh, that compared to placebo, uh, the SJP001 did reduce scores on hangovers. They have a hangover ranking system. Uh, and some of the symptoms that they actually helped were with were uh, tiredness, thirst, headache, dizziness, nausea, and loss of appetite. Uh, but the studies also did mention that the differences between the placebo and the drug weren't statistically significant enough to call it, uh, you know, really significant enough to, to make any kind of recommendation that this is a, you know, a cure or something that's going to be significantly uh, better than nothing at all. Again, these are still a, a study drug, um, hasn't been approved yet, at least of a, the most recent thing I could find was from like late 2022. So. Um, the next thing I'm going to talk about, it's another product that you can get, another over-the-counter supplement. Um, this one is called DHM Detox. So DHM, uh, this is actually uh, an herbal supplement. It's called Dihydro, Dihydromyracetin. Uh, Dihydromyracetin, it actually comes from a plant called Hovinia dulcis. Uh, this is a Chinese herbal remedy. And it's actually in the, it's one of the herbal medicines in China's first pharmacopoeia. Uh, that goes back to like the, the Tang Matera Medicia. Uh, so this is like a, goes back to 695 AD. So going back a long time here, like 1400 years, uh, they've been using this supplement. Uh, this actually has been shown to trigger the liver, the liver to produce more of these ethanol kind of destroying enzymes. So an increase in ADH, uh, as well as in ALDH. Uh, it's also boosted the efficiency of both of these enzymes and enabled them to convert the ethanol to the acetaldehyde and to the, uh, just the acetate. Uh, it's also been thought to reduce kind of uh, the fat accumulation in liver tissue. Uh, as we know, heavy doses of alcohol can kind of affect the liver as well, so it may help there. Uh, they also have, uh, let's see, what else is in this? So this also has the L-cysteine in the DHM detox. We just kind of talked about that with uh, the glutathione and L-cysteine, uh, how those two enzymes convert the uh, acetyl aldehyde. It uh, contains milk thistle seed powder, which is also just another herbal kind of holistic uh, liver helper that's been around for a very long time. It contains organic prickly pear powder. Uh, this is a really potent antioxidant and it has flavonoids as well. Uh, it's one of the few hangover remedies that's actually been tested in clinical trials as well. So prickly pear cactus extract uh, didn't show any significant reduction in overall hangover symptoms. But, it, uh, but people did say it reduced the risk of having a severe hangover when they did these trials. So even though you may not be completely hungover, prickly pear, organic prickly pear, cactus, whatever they use, the, the byproduct of that, can actually help. So that's also found in this uh, DHM detox. Uh, it also has a vitamin B complex. So vitamin B has B1, 3, 6, and 12. Uh, B vitamins, very important, highly uh, effective as antioxidants. People are like, what are antioxidants? So uh, when your body breaks down uh, different molecules, different chemicals, uh, a lot of these free oxygen, 
they call them free, these are the free radicals. These are the things that kind of float around. Oxygen, it's uh, highly charged. It can actually cause damage to cells. So a free radical is something that's uh, going to cause damage to cells. It's a byproduct of some other cellular breakdown. What antioxidants can do is bind these, and they kind of make them so that they're not available to actually do any kind of cellular damage. So B vitamins, very, very effective in doing that. Uh, so this DHM detox also has B vitamins in it as well. Um, which have been shown, like I said, another form of antioxidant, which could be helpful in a hangover uh, if you're having a lot of these metabolites, toxic metabolites, um, which do create free radicals banging around. And then it contains sodium and potassium. So uh, electrolytes, like I said before, uh, when you drink, you urinate a lot just because you don't have that uh, antidiuretic hormone working for you, and you're going to pee out a lot of electrolytes. Um, if you get sick, if you vomit, same thing. Uh, you're going to lose a lot of potassium that way. So uh, electrolytes are important. This has sodium and potassium, which are two very significant electrolytes um, just for uh, brain and heart function. So that's kind of that DHM detox. Um, I didn't see really any studies done on the DHM. I didn't really know, uh, you know, I couldn't really tell how effective it would be. Uh, but uh, the compounds in here, the ingredients in here, there are some that have been tested, uh, at least in a research setting, and seem to be somewhat effective. So I would think that maybe this would help with a hangover just based on the individual components of each of the, uh, each of these supplements. So supplements and vitamins involved in this. So that was DHM. Um, the third one I'm going to talk about is called Zaka, Z-A-C-A. -A. Uh, so Zaka, it uh, has something that, it also has this DHM, but they get it from Japanese raisin. Uh, it also has prickly pear, which we just talked about with the uh, antioxidants and flavonoids. Uh, this also has glutathione, um, which is a, you know, antioxidant production, and it also helps with detoxification. We talked about that uh twice now uh, in the prior in the, the N-acetylcysteine and the prior uh, DHM detox. So Zaka's got a lot of the same stuff DHM has. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that is like that much more you know much of a difference between the two. Zaka states that uh, their product is of a higher purity than uh, D the DMH, D, or DHM, sorry. The DHM detox, according to the Zaka website, uh, ends up doing a lot of, uh, creating a lot of their supplements in the lab. So they're almost uh, synthetically produced. Uh, they don't get it from the actual plant that they're talking about. Whereas Zaka, I guess, is supposedly all natural. But uh, so Zaka, another one that has pretty much the same thing as the, uh, the DHM. I couldn't find any studies for Zaka. Couldn't find any studies for DHM to see which one worked best. Uh, I didn't even look to see how much each one costs. Let me look and see if there's a difference in price between these two. So DHM uh, looks like uh, $34 for a 10-pack. So three, $3.40 for a night of drinking, uh, depending. Their, uh, their website, uh, No Days Wasted. Yeah, that's, uh, that's their website, nodayswasted.com. Let's see how much Zaka costs. Um, let's see. Zaka hangover. Zaka, let's see. Zaka's like about the same price too. 34 bucks. How many do you get with Zaka though? Zaka recovery pack. Mm -mm -mm. It's 
no way there's just two in there. $22 at Walmart. Let's see. So it looks like, let's see, you get 12 tablets. Yeah, so there's only like two tablets versus six. You only get six servings. So the cheap, the DHM Detox looks like a little bit cheaper than the Zaka. Once again, the Zaka kind of claims to be more uh, pure, have uh, their compounds actually procured from whatever roots and fruits and the nonsense, uh, herbal remedies, all that good stuff. So, so Zaka, DHM Detox, um, N-acetylcysteine and vitamin C, all ways that you could possibly help with your hangover. Uh, the last that I'll kind of talk about, this is one for the high rollers out there. Um, and this is really, it's something that's not going to prevent you uh, from getting a hangover, but can certainly help the next day. Uh, and these are actually mobile IV units. So uh, there's a bunch of them now. I actually worked with a nurse who used to moonlight uh, doing one of these. These are run by medical professionals. There's usually a, a physician or team of physicians who actually run them just because they're actually prescribing, uh, you know, medications. So they're prescribing IV fluid and electrolyte replacement for you. Uh, these aren't cheap though. They will come to you. That's the, hence the mobile IV thing. Uh, but they're pretty expensive. Usually start at like a couple hundred bucks for the cheapest. So uh, I know there are certain like IV bars too, in at least in Vegas and probably like I imagine probably find them in any of those uh, casino cities. Atlantic City might have one. I don't know. Uh, ask some of our degenerate gamblers, although they probably couldn't afford to go to these places. But anyway, um, these are actually, they'll give you usually what's called, we call it a banana bag. We actually don't use them anymore in the hospital, banana bags, because they're so expensive. It's cheaper just to give uh, electrolytes based on what people need. But uh, they call them a banana bag because they're usually bright yellow, and that's the B vitamins that are mixed in there. But it's usually a mix of vitamins, electrolytes, and then you get your IV fluid. Um, IV hydration or rehydration, far more effective than just doing it orally. You can get it a lot faster. Same with, as I talked about earlier, IV versus taking things orally, that first pass effect. So, so those four are really the, you know, the, the four, I wouldn't even call them preventative. These are more kind of next day hangover. I wouldn't call them a cure either because you can't really cure the hangover. Unfortunately, right now, like the only way to prevent you from getting a hangover uh, is to not drink at all. Uh, if, you know, if you're going to drink, though, if you drink water while you drink, even doing like one for one, uh, if you try and do some of the pre-talk stuff, that might work with the uh, NAC and the vitamin C. Once again, I am not a physician. This is not medical advice. That's just based on my own experience. Always talk to your healthcare provider before you try or do any of this stuff. Um, but eating, drinking water, it's going to help absorb some of the alcohol. It's going to take it a little bit longer to be processed in the liver, giving the liver more time to actually break down the alcohol that's in there so it can't get to the brain. Uh, if you're one of these people, I used to hate to eat when I would drink because it would interfere with my buzz, and I'd just deal with the hangover the next day, and it really sucked, but that's part of it. Um, there is also just kind of, you know, drinking more slowly. As I said, it's, you know, kind of giving the body a chance to catch up and let you process the alcohol. I should also mention that there is a genetic component to the ability to break down ethanol and acetylaldehyde. Uh, there have been studies that have been showing that uh, <clears throat> depending on what variation of your, I think it's your acetylaldehyde hormone, uh, you will actually experience more symptoms 
the, I think it's a type two, I think there's four different types. Uh, and the second type, the type two of this uh, genetic variation, it's found, this is one that's found most commonly in Asian people. So if you have Asian friends or if you are Asian uh, and you drink, you tend to get flushed. Or if you have a friend who tends to get flushed, they probably have this genetic variation of it. And it actually causes, a, your body doesn't break down the acetaldehyde as effectively as somebody who has a different variation of this gene. It's more slowly, so you have a, more of a buildup of the acetaldehyde. And it'll cause kind of flushing, some sweating, um, nausea, things like that. So some people are genetically more predisposed to having hangovers than others, or even when they drink, just having symptoms from it. And... Uh, other than that, though, so it, I didn't find anything, or any kind of medication, nothing that would effectively stop ethanol from being ingested or when you ingest ethanol from it going in the bloodstream or into the brain. So unfortunately, if you, you know, you're going to drink, you're probably going to have a hangover. Um, there are ways to reduce the severity of it. Uh, as always, if you drink, don't drive. Uh, most people have trouble walking, so uh, don't be that guy. Uh, I told you earlier about the third of all driving deaths are attributed to some form of alcohol involved. So uh, stay sober or take a lift or an Uber or walk or have somebody else drive you. Anyway, I don't have to lecture you about that. All right. Uh, other than that, not a lot more to give you on hangovers. Um, like I said, I, I'm sure there's a lot that I'm probably missing here, but that's kind of just the, the broad... Uh, kind of broad look at what causes them, uh, our symptoms, what kind of causes those symptoms, uh, and if there's any kind of uh, medication supplement that might actually work to prevent them. To date, nothing super awesome that works. There are ways to help hangovers, but uh, like I said, the only true way to not get one is to not drink. But where's the fun in that, right? So, all right, well, anyway, wanted to thank everybody for listening. Uh, any suggestions, comments, feedback? If I if I missed anything, let me know. Uh, it can be found at Make Me Sick Pod uh, on Twitter. You can email me at youmakemesickpod at gmail.com. Uh, I will be on the Kirk Minahan Show Network. Uh, and I also have just, uh, you can find You Make Me Sick Pod. Uh, also, uh, the podcast is on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, uh podcast has been going on for a while. My earlier episodes have kind of been trending away from doing a lot of the microorganisms uh, and getting into more just general things that'll make you sick. So I uh, hope to have a few episodes in the future here. We're going to talk. Uh, I have one I'm going to do on, uh, and these will be collaborative podcasts. So I hope to have one that I'm going to do on colon cancer uh, with fellow Minifangina. And then I have one that I'm going to do uh, with a uh, fellow Minifan, uh Visiting nurse from Rhode Island, Chris, he's, he's supposedly going to do and We're going to talk some nurse shop. Um, he's actually got a pretty interesting gig, uh, just uh, a visiting nurse. Uh, home care nurses, visiting nurses, uh, it's, it's a different world out there. They're kind of on their own. Uh, I work in a, you know, as crazy as the setting is that I work in, in intensive care, it's still fairly well controlled and I have a lot of help. Uh, not for, he's usually on his own, I'm assuming, so talk to him about that. It should be pretty interesting. And then uh, I think... Necrotizing pancreatitis as well is another uh, gearhead Mike, uh, old nipples there. I think he, he and I, at some point, hopefully we'll talk about that. And then also looking to collaborate with the 420 guys at some point, uh, maybe the Birdman. Anybody else who wants to do something, let me know. Uh, everybody's schedule kind of sucks. It's summer. Everyone's busy. I get it. But uh, give me a shout. And we'll try and work something out. So anyway, uh, 
Thank you for listening. And remember, everybody, like Kirk, I always wash my hands. I'll say it. Always remember to wash your hands. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. I'm not supposed to be within 200 feet of a school. What? Or Chuck E. Cheese.